we're going to move on to our announce, uh, to our scripture, excuse me. Uh, the scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. We're going to read verses 31 through 38 in the ESV, if you want to look that up. Um, instead of doing the alternate reading, uh, I will be reading the scripture for us today, and I encourage you to, to read along. Uh, again, it's Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38 in the ESV. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, today's message is called, Accept the Cross. And uh, it is uh, Palm Passion Sunday. Uh, we call it uh, Palm Passion Sunday because um, it, it, traditionally it is uh, Palm Sunday, uh, which is a, a pretty uh, joyful event. Uh, but it, increasingly, I think, uh, uh, you know, not everyone makes it out uh, to a Good Friday service. Uh, now this week, uh, you can go to Good Friday service from the comfort of your home. <laughs> and so we encourage you all to join us. But, you know, for whatever reason you can't come, uh, if we just did uh, the, the palm narrative of Jesus going into the city, um, and, and as a matter of fact, maybe we can read that right now. So let's take a look at that. That's, uh, uh, oh yeah, and he began to, t- oh yeah, here it is. Okay, this is Mark chapter 11, verses 6 to 10. And it says, And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! And so we we see this, this very joyous scene, right? This very triumphant scene. Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem, kind of like a conquering hero, right? Um, and this is the way conquering heroes were coming to, into cities, uh, you know, in triumph. They would come on a mighty steed, and the, the people would spread out these uh, these palm branches, and they're spreading these cloaks, almost like Jesus, you're too good to uh, uh, even for for your mighty steed, which, by the way, was a colt of a donkey, right? So Jesus was humble, but you know, this scene would have uh, sort of echoed. Uh, in the minds of the people, reminded them 
of a, a conquering hero. And so, you know, your steed is too good for the ground that it's walking upon. So they put their cloaks on the ground and, and they, they cut those palm branches and they're, they're waving them. And this would have been uh, what you did for a conquering hero. Uh, Hosanna was an exclamation of praise. Uh, it literally means save. Right, You might say that to a, a, a hero that's coming to take back your city from the enemy. Save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessing is the coming kingdom. We've been talking a lot about kingdom, but the way they understood kingdom was they believed that, that uh, uh, Jesus was going to be... Um, a king like David, right, is the coming kingdom of our father David. This was the golden period of Israel when they were on top, when they were winning battles, where other nations feared them. Hosanna in the highest. They're like, yes, victory, praise, triumph. And, and we could do that on Palm Sunday. And, and it's, it's an important narrative. But if you just showed up for next week, Next Sunday, and you just got Easter, right? Jesus is alive. There's a lot you skip in between, right? There's a lot that happens that is very important. And when I learned this passage in seminary, one of the things that they teach us is that um, probably some of the very same people that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, are probably some of the same people that later that week that would be shouting, crucify him. And that's this narrative always has to be uh, uh, a little bittersweet. Yes, there, there is great triumph here, but there is also a sadness because we know that there's going to be rejection, that there's going to be pain, that yes, Jesus is a king, but our first clue was the donkey, right? He's not the kind of king that, that we normally think of. He is a humble king. And that his crown is not one of gold. It is of thorns. And he, this kind of king is probably not the one that the people want. You know, when they see Jesus coming into the city and, and it echoes the, the, the images that they have of what a conquering hero looks like, the people love it. They're eating it up. They're like, this is great. But when they see Jesus bound and arrested and weak and vulnerable, that perhaps instead of the praises rising up, words of, of, of reviling, of, of, of aversion, of hatred, of rejection, bubble up within them. Crucify him. Get him away from here. We don't want to see this kind of king. And it's it's a tough lesson. Um, I, I have to be honest with you. Uh, today's message is uh, in many ways going to be a hard one uh, because it is about suffering. It is about something that we don't really like to see. We don't really like to think about. You know, um, it Actually, a lot in scripture, we see a suffering people. We see a story where there is a lot of suffering. But I think a lot of times, uh, we as preachers, we like to kind of cherry pick the passages that we like. And I wonder how many of us are, 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 you know, picking the passages that are the tougher ones, the ones that might cause us to suffer a little bit, even in reading it and in, in being challenged by those words. You know, how much, how many of us are, are gravitating towards um, the things that are really positive. Um, 
And, and we see this uh, in Peter himself. Um, so in, in the passage that we read, um, Jesus, after Peter, this is after Peter had declared that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Again, that's the promised king, the king that's coming to restore Israel. And they have very specific images of what this looked like. Um, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. He was blunt, right? He just, you know, he didn't try to sugarcoat it. He's like, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be killed, right? I'm going to rise again in three days. But we're told uh, in different parts of, of the Gospels that the disciples didn't understand that. So don't get this twisted. They wouldn't have heard this and been like, yay! They would have heard this and been like, what? What are you talking about, Jesus? You know, the headline here is, you're going to suffer and die. Right? They don't understand the resurrection yet. But they do understand suffering, rejection, and death. And so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He's rebuking Jesus. Right? And, and Jesus turns and he sees his disciples. He wants all his disciples to hear this. Right? I mean, this is something that, um, they, 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 they tell you if you ever have to rebuke someone, don't do it publicly. You don't want to shame people. But Jesus makes it a point to bring in all the disciples. Cause I think he thinks this is an important lesson. You all need to hear this. You know, maybe the lesson is Peter isn't the only person who's thinking this. He says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Right? That this is what men usually think about, what people usually think about, what people usually want. What does Peter want? Well, I can tell you what Peter doesn't want. Peter doesn't want the suffering, the rejection, the death. Do you? Right? I mean, this is the reason why messages like this are so hard, because naturally we turn from them. This is what we do. Right? And in the church, if given the option, and we are given the option oftentimes of what scripture we're going to read, what parts we're going to focus on, we do not like to focus on this part. Right? In the wisdom of the church, uh, they have set up the church calendar where we're supposed to go through Lent and we're supposed to go through this season, this 40 days of kind of being in the wilderness, of preparing ourselves for the cross. And uh, oftentimes during this time, actually, um, I, I, I heard that there are some churches that would do this. They would take the word hallelujah and they would show it to everyone and they would rip it up. Because traditionally in, in the church, they wouldn't even say hallelujah, praise the Lord. Right? They wouldn't say that until after uh, Lent was over. So Easter Sunday, <laughs> there's these, these hymns, uh, like, like they say, pick all the hymns that just have the word hallelujah in it. Just praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Like crazy, because for 40 days, there's none of that. None of that. And the reason why is because if we are given the choice, we would naturally gravitate towards praise. We would naturally gravitate towards all the good stuff, towards the triumph, right? If you don't believe me, um, uh, Sung Chan Ra did this study of modern praise songs, and he kind of found a, a, like a top 100 list. This is a few years old, but I think this is probably still true. Uh, he found the top 100 uh, praise songs that were, were, were being played in contemporary churches, uh, in, in, in North America, at least. And, uh, he found that, that only about five, he found, had any kind of laments. 
Uh, what, what is lament? Lament is, is you know, uh, when you read those psalms that talk about, you know, oh Lord, oh Lord, how long will, will you uh, let us suffer? When will you come to us, God? We are being crushed by our enemies. Right? Our bones are wasting away. That kind of stuff. And Sun Chan Rao says that about 40% of uh, uh, almost half of the biblical poetry of the songs that you see are lament. But he could find only about five uh, of the modern praise songs. And he said that he was being very liberal in what he would consider lament because most of them don't really have it. Um, only about five had any kind of element of, of that mourning, that grieving that you see so often in the Bible. And, you know, I, I was reading uh, this pastor who was talking about how it, it, traditionally, again, Good Friday is a time where, um, it, it's a time where, you know, it, it's not a very upbeat day. <laughs> it's not a day where, where you do a lot of hallelujahs, right? It's a day of, of reflection on the death of Jesus. And, and um you know, we're supposed to not really focus on the resurrection as much. The resurrection is coming, right? It's coming. But traditionally in the church, you wouldn't focus on the resurrection. And actually, they would kind of cover the altar at the end. They would just cover it in black and just completely blot out any sign of hope until Easter morning, right? Easter's coming. Don't get me wrong, right? It's important. But we want to speed through that. And, and so this, this pastor I was reading, he was talking about how there's this uh, megachurch that the pastor is just like all about grace, right? Grace preacher. And uh, they did a Good Friday service. And during the Good Friday service, um, you know, they, they said, yeah, Jesus suffered and he died for us, for our sins. And then he resurrected. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and he's like, what, what are you doing? Right? You don't do that at a Good Friday service. And about 90% of it was all the triumph, all, all, all the glory. Isn't this what we want? Isn't this what our hearts gravitate towards? No, Lord, no. No, 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 no. Let's not talk about the suffering. Let's not focus on it. We're like Peter, aren't we? We don't like that. We don't want to hear that. But Jesus makes a point, right? I mean, this is one of the, the strongest reactions uh, Jesus ever has to his disciples where he says, no, no. He rebukes Peter. No, he calls him Satan, the enemy of God, right? I think what Jesus is trying to say, Peter, you can't avoid this. Because you have to remember, we have been talking this whole time about discipleship. Peter is a disciple. He is an apprentice. He is learning to be like Jesus. And so the idea is that if Jesus were to suffer in this way, and so would he. Peter doesn't want to suffer. Do you want to suffer? Right? I mean, it, it, I, it, I had to write up a small group guide for this. And, you know, I, I like, like, as I was kind of thinking through potential questions you could ask, and one of the potential questions, maybe like a warm-up question, is like, do you like suffering? And I'm like, no, nah, that won't work. Because who's going to say yes? How many people are like, mm, yeah, bring on that suffering. Yeah, I love it. Right? This is just not how we're built. We are built, uh, just kind of naturally, uh, by design. We gravitate towards comfort and pleasure, right? And most of our lives are about maximizing pleasure and, and maximizing comfort and minimizing pain, right? 
But there's something here that Jesus wants us to hear. And, you know, brothers and sisters, in in case this isn't clear, because I I really do think a lot of churches today are trying to uh, blunt the blow, kind of blunt this, this, uh, uh, sorry, to soften this a little bit to to sort of blunt the 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 pain or the 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 sting of what it means to be a disciple what it means to be a disciple is to take up the cross of Christ i'm sorry i'm sorry you can't avoid it it's just there right and if that's not clear enough jesus spells it out right and so this is uh verse uh 34 uh right after he rebukes um he rebukes uh, uh, Peter. And then not only, remember, he said this in front of the disciples, but then he calls the crowd in. He's like, everyone needs to hear this, right? This is not just for special disciples. This is another way that people hear this, right? People are like, oh, okay. See, there's like those special disciples that they're, they're like missionaries and, you know, they go to, uh, they go overseas and they go to these uh, developing countries and, you know, yeah, those people have to suffer, but he calls everyone. Everyone needs to hear this. He says, if anyone, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Anyone. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So what are most of us trying to do in this world? I think most of us are trying to save our lives, right? How are you going to save your life? Well, you want to protect yourself. How are you going to protect yourself? you got to make sure that you have plenty of stuff, that you have savings, that you have insurance, that you have all these things. And by the way, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that being careful isn't important. I, I, I think you do have to be careful. But at the end of the day, what is it that we are trying to do? What we may be trying to do is to live a life as if we were God, to live our, our life without any possible suffering. And, you know, there's a lot of people that take that idea that God is powerful and God loves you, and they take that and they're like, okay, so God's going to protect you, so you will never suffer. Sorry. Look at this passage, right? Look at Jesus' own son who suffers so much. If Jesus' own son had to suffer like this, then who are we to think that we wouldn't, right? And, and this idea that we must, it is important. It's not just that, you know, suffering is not great on its own. <laughs> I, I just want to be very clear about this. Suffering isn't good on its own. You know, I, I know it, like, like there's this idea of like no pain, no gain. And there's kind of like this logical fallacy that some people believe. They, they believe that if you are going through pain, then necessarily something good will happen afterwards. And, and I'm here to tell you that's not true. And, and you know this, right? 
Have you ever seen people screwing up their lives? <laughs> or maybe like a, a, just like a terrible family situation. Or there's a business that's just like hemorrhaging money, right? And, and they're just like making these terrible choices. Just because you're going through a difficult time doesn't mean it's going to get better. That business may fail. That business may get worse and worse and worse. That family situation may get worse and worse and worse. Pain in and of itself will not teach you anything unless you are willing to let it, unless you accept it, unless you, as it says, take up your cross. You have to take it up, right? That's why this message is called accept the cross, because everyone's going to go through pain. I I think you know that, right? No matter how much you try to insulate yourselves, right? I mean, what we're going through right now in this world is, is proof of that. I mean, you know, you could socially distance and do all this stuff and be safe in your homes, but still suffer, right? You suffer from loneliness then, or you suffer from boredom, or you suffer from financial hardship because we're not out working, right? There's no situation. I think I read someone say this, that, um, you know, I don't want to be too morbid, but I mean, let's be honest. There's no situation in life where someone hasn't died doing what you're doing. <laughs> right? Like walking, breathing, eating, right? I mean, it, it's just you, you're gonna go through death. It, it's, it's an inevitable part of life, right? Pain, the shadow of death, as, as it says in Psalm 23, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? It doesn't say even if, because <laughs> there's no doubt about it, you will, right? You're gonna suffer. You're gonna go through pain. But many of us live in denial of this, right? Let's, let's talk about the, the business that's hemorrhaging the money, right? That there may be someone who they're not accepting the, 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 the sting of all the mistakes that they've made, right? They're not accepting the fact that they're not facing reality. What we're working with, what our business model, it's not working, right? You gotta accept that. But if you're like, no, 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 you can live in denial of that. This is gonna work. Keep doing it. Keep doing it, right? This is what we've always done. You know, there are people who um, are in, in, in a lot of suffering, and their suffering continues because they avoid the suffering, right? Like, like we, we check out, we, we numb, we, we uh, go to all kinds of distractions, right? Uh, we keep moving, we, we keep uh, uh, busy so that we don't have to face the sting of our sufferings, of our failures, of our rejections. And so you could be suffering, you could be in pain, and still be trying to save your own life, right? That's what Jesus is saying, right? It's not just that you, you he's not saying for whoever suffers is going to, uh, you know, gain their soul. He's saying whoever would save their life will lose it. Whoever is trying to actively save your life you're going to lose it. Whoever's trying to control everything, it's not going to go your way. But if you are willing to lose your life, if you are willing to learn the lessons that come through what? Through the death of yourself, right? And we aren't just talking a physical death. It is in many ways a spiritual death. It's a death to our ego. It's a death to our pride. It's a death to all the things that we think can prop us up, 
right? During this time, I think a lot of us um, are probably realizing that, um, you know, no matter what you do, um, you're never going to be completely insulated. You're never going to be protected. I know sometimes, like, like I, I don't know, you, you know, I watch the news sometimes, and, you know, they're like, we're not prepared, we're not prepared. Yeah, you know, we could have done some preparation, sure. You know, but how do you prepare for this, you know? Um, some, I guess there's been these memes that, like, the doomsday preppers, you know, those people who, like, uh, they make bunkers and stuff? They're like, they're probably like, this is our moment, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we, we knew it. We called it, you know? But, uh, you know, for the vast majority of us, I mean, how do you prepare? How do you prepare for everything in life? How do you control everything? And, and, and at a certain point, um, it gets exhausting. I mean, even for the doomsday preppers, you know, if that day were never to come, what, what did you spend your whole life doing? You know, what, what are we doing with our lives if we are just protecting ourselves? If we are just spending our lives trying to avoid suffering, trying to maximize pleasure and comfort? And, and this, for many of us, is the problem with life. We are not living life because we are trying to save our lives. We are doing all this stuff to protect and to control, to keep it all together. But at the end of the day, we're trying to do God's job. It's an exhausting job. You will spend your whole life trying to be God. And, and what, what I, I think Jesus is trying to tell us, if I may be so bold, he's saying, don't try to be God. Be Connie. <laughs> be Jason. Be Steve. Be James. You have a life to live. Let me be God, right? Let me take care of those things, right? And, and, and in many ways, when you can stop being so afraid of all the things that might come, when we can lay down all of that, then we can be truly free. And that's what God wants for us, to live in a way where you are free. You are free then to follow the will of God. Um, there are many passages. I mean, there's just too many to, to, to go over here, but I, I just want to read one. Uh, you can look it up uh, if you want later. It's 1 Peter uh, 4. The whole passage, uh, uh, chapter, is about suffering, but I just want to read uh, verses 12 through 13. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. A, a lot of the passages, and, and you hear Paul saying this too. Um, I, I know we had read uh, Philippians 4 a couple weeks ago where he's rejoicing uh, even when he's in prison, right? Re- rejoice, again I say rejoice, you know, um, there's this passage where, uh, in Acts, where, uh, the disciples, um, they're beaten and they're whipped because they, they were preaching Jesus and, uh, the Jewish leaders and authorities, they didn't like it. And, and, uh, and they were like, Hey, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. Right. And they're like, you know, they send them home. And when they go back to the rest of the disciples, um, they rejoice. And it's, it's weird. Right? It's so weird. They're like, yes! <laughs> you know, we got to suffer for the gospel. Man, Christians are weird. <laughs> it is completely opposite. But brothers and sisters, can you imagine the kind of freedom 
where you're not afraid of suffering, right? That, that somebody could be like, hey, don't preach the gospel or I'll kill you. And, and you're like, okay. <laughs> so what's she going to do to me? You're going to kill me and then I get to see Jesus sooner? Okay. And, and this is the way that disciples of Jesus have been throughout the years, right? And, and I, I just, you know, I, I know we're going through a tough time. I, I know things are difficult, and I don't mean to minimize that. But I do think that in many ways, um, you know, in modern life, you know, our life expectancies are much longer than they used to be. You know, we have so many conveniences. We have so many ways that we aren't suffering the way that people used to when their life expectancy was like 40, you know, or, or 50 or whatever. I mean, it was much, much lower uh, than it is now. And, you know, but, man, we are so afraid. We're so afraid of suffering. We're so afraid of discomfort. And, and myself included, I mean, I, I don't mean to um, minimize anyone's pain at all. But I think that there is a lesson that we need to learn. Um, I, I titled this uh, sermon uh, purposely. <laughs> I call it accept the cross. The, the word accept can have sort of two uh, meanings, right? Uh, two ways of spelling it that mean something else. Uh, when I was younger, I always used to confuse this. Uh, but it's accept the cross, A-C-C-E-P-T, uh, not accept, E-X-C-E-P-T. And, and it, it, maybe for some of us, we might be like, yo, I like everything about, you know, the gospel except the cross, you know, I, I like Easter. Easter is awesome. You know, I like the resurrection. But I, I like it all except the cross. And, and Jesus is very clear. If you want to be my disciple, you have to accept it. Because it's coming anyways. It is. You can run from it. You can deny it. Or you can let the cross and the life that you have been trying to live on your own, being your own God, and you can fall into real life. There are many things that I think can do this for you. I, I, I don't think suffering uh, always has to be something spectacular. There are little sufferings that you go through all the time. Uh, Richard Rohr uh, used to say this, and and I, I, th- I think it's kind of a strange um, saying, so I'll try to explain it a little bit. He he used to say, if you can accept anything 100%, it is enough to to convert you. I'll say that again. If you can accept anything 100%, it is enough to convert you. There's so much in life that we pass over that we want to avoid. You know, maybe there's, um, you're at that red light that's taking forever and you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know? And, and I think what Richard Rohr is saying is that you can have a little conversion experience when you're at that long red light if you can accept it fully. Okay. It's happening. This is happening. There's a lesson that, that you learn when you die to yourself. There's a part of you that dies, the part that wants to control the light, that wants to, you know, like, why do we do that? Do you ever see people at the red light? This always cracks me up, where people, they keep edging up more and more, you know? There, there, there's that white line, but they keep going over it, 
and they keep edging more and more. Uh, Jason is pointing at himself. Sorry, Jason. Is that okay if I point you out? I do this too. Oh my gosh. You're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. What, what, what is this going to do? It's not going to do anything, right? Edging up more and more and more. It just puts you more over the line. It doesn't make it go faster, right? There is a, a, a very, very basic lesson. You cannot control the red line, <laughs> right? If you accept it, there's a freedom that you can experience, right? There's a freedom that you can experience in that 30 seconds or in the case of the red light by my house, the five minutes. It's not five minutes. It feels like five minutes. You know, the, the, the 20 minutes at some of your lights that it feels like. You know, there's a joy. There's a peace. There's a freedom if you have, if you can stop being the one who has to control the red light, who has to think about the red light, who has to worry about the red light. There's a freedom that you can have, right? If you can accept anything 100%, it's enough to convert you. Maybe there's these moments of being still. This is where I've experienced a lot of death, (laughs) is just being still. Being still, and there's that part of you that, remember, how do we avoid suffering? We keep moving. We keep running. We, We run from it. We run from it in our minds, we run from it in our hearts, we run from it in our bodies. We keep busy, we keep doing things. And for some people, that's why silence, stillness, is so uncomfortable. Because you've been running. You've been running from discomfort. You've been running from suffering. You've been running from pain. And I want to argue, I hope this doesn't sound too esoteric, but you've been running from life, from the real life that you can have in Christ. If in this moment, you can just be still. You don't need to run anymore. What is your running doing? What is your scurrying doing? Right? I mean, some of the stuff you do, I mean, you do it to make money. You do it to be able to put food on the table. Great. Don't stop doing that. But don't do it to control the universe. Does that make sense? Because you, you can't. You, you can't control your fear. You, you, you can't keep away the discomfort. It's going to come. So you might as well accept it. And if you can accept it, there are many lessons that you can learn. I mean, the, the, the idea that pain can be your greatest teacher uh, is just evident, right? I mean, you ask most people. It's that classic college essay question. You know, what is the most formative experience in your life? I'll bet you, almost everyone, their most formative experience is a moment of suffering. Isn't it for you? Would you be who you are today if it wasn't for what you learned in the suffering? Again, it's not just the suffering itself. Suffering on its own is just suffering. It's just pain, right? But when you accept it, when you learn the lessons from it, right, that's when it becomes really powerful. That's when it becomes really transformative. When you can sit still enough to say, I don't need to control this or run from it. I don't need to avoid it. But maybe what we really need to do is die to that old way of being. You know, And it's so hard to explain if you haven't experienced it yourself. But for many of us, we have on some level. But there are many ways where death is always happening. Suffering is always happening. Discomfort is always happening. I mean, it is what we are going through right now. 
right? I mean, some of the stuff that we're going through, you know, when I talk to most people and check in on them, hey, how are you doing? You know, most people are like, oh, I'm a little bored. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, running out of things to do, you know. I've watched every season of every show ever, you know. And I think on some level, we look at this kind of suffering and we're like, hey, this isn't that big a deal. This isn't real suffering. It's not like war, you know. It's not like famine. You know, for some people, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some people in parts of the world where this is a huge crisis. This is a a tremendous tragedy. Maybe for some of us, for myself included, um, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where it's not great acute suffering right now. But it's still tough. It's still probably what you have not chosen. And this is the way that I want to define the cross. The cross is what you would not choose for yourself. Do you remember Jesus in the garden? You guys remember that? Jesus is thinking about all that's going to happen. He knows how painful it's going to be. How lonely it's going to be. He prays. Father, if there's any way, any way, you can take the suffering from me. Please do it. But not my will, but yours be done. I know a lot of you know, um, last year I was uh, going through some pretty tough mental struggles. I was uh, suffering these panic attacks, and um, it's a pretty tough time for me. And there were many, many times where I wanted to pray that prayer, where, where I, I, I did say, God, is there any way you can take this from me? Why? Why, God? Why would you possibly want me to go through this? I remember asking some of my friends and some of the pastors I know, is it okay for me to ask God to take this away? And they're like, yeah, of course. I mean, even Jesus asked, right? But that last part of the prayer is the most important part. But not my will, but yours be done. Right? It's not wrong to ask God to end coronavirus. It's not wrong to say, God, can life go back to normal? But I think part of the cross is that we don't choose it. We accept it. Does that make sense? There are many things you do not choose. I mean, I'm not saying go out and find suffering, right? You're going to have plenty in your life. So don't manufacture suffering. But suffering is just going to come. And when it does, to accept it, to accept that it is happening, to learn the lessons from it, to learn to rely more on God. And and, and this is one of the things that I had to learn, to say, God, if you can take this suffering from me in any way, please do. But maybe I don't get to choose that. And I will accept it. I will walk through it. I will walk through the fire if you want me to. I, I had this uh, graphic up last week 
talking about discipleship and talking about the idea that there are people who have walked the path before us in discipleship and learning from them. And one of the things you see from uh, many of the great saints, many of the followers of Christ throughout the years, is that many of them walked a path of suffering. Um, A lot of the spiritual biographies I read, um, the greatest moments of conversion, of change, of uh, these moments where people's lives are just completely just flipped upside down, it came through great suffering. They learned the lessons from it. They accepted it, right? And, you know, when we see the people who've gone before us, they weren't afraid when they learned those lessons. Maybe in the beginning they were. You know, uh, there, there's a Brother Lawrence. Um, his story of conversion is, is a very simple one. And, and it's part of the reason why I love it so much, because sometimes we think it's got to be this, you know, I don't know, this, this really dramatic, you know, near-death experience. But for Brother Lawrence, he was looking at a tree that was withered. And, and he was just despairing of, like, the reality of death. And he was thinking, like, oh, my goodness, all of us are going to die. And, and that moment, his soul was shaken. But as he looked at that tree that was withered and dead, he remembered that tree is coming back to life. And that was his conversion experience. (laughs) That was the moment where he fell through his old life into the new. And for many of us, that's what we need to do. I I, want to do something different in closing today. Uh, I want to encourage you as you go through this time, uh, to, con- to continually um, take time, I think a lot of us do have time, uh, to not avoid what's going through, but to be present in it, to accept it. You can bring that before God. You can say, God, this is tough. This is hard. But this is the important part. Not my will, but yours be done. Um, there's a song that uh, came to mind as I was... Um, preparing this message. And um, it's, it's, it's a song that's some years old. Uh, it's by an artist uh, named Ginny Owens. And uh, um, it, it's, it's a song that has meant a lot to me, and, and I would like the praise team to come up and sing it. You guys can come up and get ready. I'm going to talk for just a couple more minutes here. Um, but part of the, the power, I think, of this song is... Uh, knowing a little bit about Ginny Owens' story. And so, like a lot of people who go through life, I mean, Ginny's had some struggles. And one of her struggles, uh, one of her, um, one of the things uh, for Ginny is that uh, she's legally blind. And so she wrote this song uh, called, If You Want Me To. And um, I, I want to maybe lead us in some prayer after we sing it, but I want this song uh, to be a prayer for us. And one of the things you're going to hear in this song is, I will walk through the valley. I will go through the fire. I will go through whatever it is in life if you want me to. Can we accept our crosses? So praise team, if you and you know, I... It's maybe a song that a lot of you don't know. Maybe some of you do. You're welcome to try to sing along. But I want to encourage you more than singing along. 
um, to just read the lyrics, to meditate, to reflect. And let the praise team sing over you these words.